Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is Stacking the Box with NFL insider Matt Berteram and Mark Carmen. Tuesday, October the 12th. The Kansas City Chiefs are in last place in the AFC West at 2-3. and three. They are a far cry from the 4-1 Los Angeles Chargers, the 4-1 Buffalo Bills, perhaps even the 4-1 Baltimore Ravens. What a Monday night football game that was. And I don't know. Throwing the Titans at 3-2. and two. I'm not going to put the Broncos there. Hey, Verderam. You're our NFL insider, right? As far as I know. How come, and maybe I need to go check the tape, how come there was a tsunami coming to Kansas City that was about to land and you did not properly inform the Stack in the Box audience, audience, thank you very much, that your Chiefs, that some had going 20 and 0, were about to implode and lose to every damn good team in the AFC and basically become a question mark of are they going to make the playoffs or not. This was on your shoulders, and you, you failed us, Verderam. That's what I'm saying. I, I feel like they failed us, but, uh, yeah, I also failed us. Look, I, I did not ever believe they'd go 20-0. and 0. No one reasonable ever did. But I, so I picked them to go 15-2 and two in the offseason. I did. And, I, and I, I didn't feel like it was a stretch. Like, I really felt like they'll just they'll win their 14, 15 games. And they'll roll, you know, they, they picked up Jerron Reed on defense. You know, they, they, they made some other additions around the team. Of course, the offensive line is completely rebuilt. The offensive line has been fine. That's not been a problem. Their, their defense is so bad. It's almost impossible to believe they're not on the take. Like if, if you found out that the Chiefs defense was betting on the other team, I think the only, the only rational – reaction to that would be well they're doing a pretty good job of, of, of making sure they get their money I mean it has been normally when you're on defense and you're terrible you're at least good at something like okay we're awful defending the run but we're 20th defending the pass or vice versa or hey we stink but we don't give up a big play or we don't you know or we get pressure on the quarterback dude they are dead last at everything it is impossible. I've never – there was a play on Sunday night where the Bills threw to Zach Moss, their running back, at about midfield. And Anthony Hitchens, who's clearly responsible for Zach Moss on this play, is just running away from him going straight down the field. Not guarding anyone, not running with anyone in particular, just running like a six-year-old at recess who's got too much sugar to burn off. Like, it was just – it was the microcosm of what they've been through five weeks. Frankly, it's a miracle that they're two and three and they're not even worse. I would like to bring it and we can um, take a look at the greater AFC. And there's obviously huge John Gruden news uh, that we'll get to in a, in a moment here. And uh, Ben Heisler's coming up as well. We'll go through our picks and thank you for joining Stacking the Box. But I still think we need to look into the mirror and, and, and I want you to do a deep dive at this very moment as, as you, Mr. Football a man who could recite you the offensive line from the 1974 New York Giants, how you missed this implosion coming. Like, where was the blind spots? I think it had to just be that this defense, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Like, I, I don't know. Or I thought, I remember talking to people around the league. Like, this isn't just my only, my thought, although I certainly had this opinion. There were people in personnel departments around the league who I spoke to during the offseason who I asked them, what do you think some of the best value signings were? And Jerron Reed, absolutely in that conversation, conversation in, conversation out. He has been atrocious. Like, I don't even think I've seen Jerron Reed once in five games. And he plays like 90% of the snaps. Frank Clark, here's a stat for all time. 
Now, he's missed two games, okay? But through five games this year, he has four tackles. Marcus Kemp, who's a receiver, has four tackles. He has as many tackles as Frank Clark does. So I think the answer to your question is, Frank Clark's gone from, like, decent to beyond horrific. Anthony Hitchens has gone from solid linebacker to can't even move anymore. Daniel Sorensen's gone from quality third safety to somehow thrust into a starting safety role, despite no injuries whatsoever. They just won't play Juan Thornhill. And the worst player you've ever seen through five games. Like, can't tackle, but makes up for it by never being anywhere near anybody to tackle. It is it is all those things at once. And then on top of that, playing like four of the top six offenses in the NFL. And it's just been a cavalcade of shit. And that's where they are through five weeks. Would you like to officially apologize to the stack in the box audience and in the comments, please, if I'd like to know if you think this apology, if it's forthcoming, is sufficient. So go ahead. No, I'd not, I'd not like to apologize. No apology. I'm not the one who can't make a tackle and who can't run anymore uh, and who's essentially, in the case of John Reed, there should be an investigation. I mean, that is... Right, but so... It, it, at this point, if he's taking his paychecks, is it is it incognito? Like, is he ashamed to take them? I, I it, he should be. It's unreal how bad he's been. I'm in a uh, media league in Chicago of people picking games, and I would have had a great week this week if the Chiefs had covered the two and a half. It would have been, I mean, there was a lot of people picking the Buffalo Bills. So it would have been the synergistic double-double effect and would have leaped Carm's football prognostication brilliance into a whole nother level. So that's part of my reason for coming at you because I can't call up Frank Clark and or Patrick Mahomes who threw some bad interceptions, Verderam. Bad. Uh, and not, I'm not putting it on him. He's Patrick Mahomes. He's God. I'm not taking oh, it. That's, no, but, I mean, of the two picks he threw, one of them was on Tyreek. I mean, one of them went right through Tyreek Hill's hands. I'm not, about, I'm not talking about that one. The other one was a bad play. Now, Rousseau, give him credit on Buffalo. It was a great play by him. It was. It was a it great was. play. Like, normally, to be fair to Mahomes, 99 times out of 100, that ball's not picked off. It was a great play. But he still threw it in a spot where Rousseau could get his hand on it, and it got batted up in the air and picked off. I actually would argue his worst play of the game was the fumbled snap that hit him right in his hands. And he doesn't fall on it. And it, there, you know, now, look, the game was probably over at that point anyway. But, I mean, that was probably his worst. But he was terrible. I wrote it after the game in my column, my stack in the box column. It's the worst game he's ever played. Mike Glennon had one of those this week. You don't want to be in that company. No, you don't. No, he was he was awful. He was truly um, – especially. I mean, look, by a normal quarterback standards, he was bad. By his standards, he was atrocious. Couldn't complete passes. Um They've got problems. I'm not worried about them offensively, but they, they, I will say this though. We spent, or I've spent about 10 minutes on banging on that defense and deservedly so we could spend two hours banging on that defense. They can't stop turning the ball over. In their last 13 quarters, they have 11 turnovers and they forced zero. I mean, it's a miracle that they've almost won some of these games. Yeah. All right, let's let's. Who's your best team, real fast in the AFC right now? We'll get to more Buffalo. of that. I don't even think it's close. But I will, I will, I will still say this, and I really believe this: if Kansas City could stop turning the ball over and get twenty percent better defensively, I don't even care if they have to be a wild card team in the playoffs. Which we'll talk about that in a little bit. I still think that they would be the team I pick because they're so terrifying when they're right that. You know, look, it is October right now. Long but if you said to me right this second, who's the best team? Buffalo. Buffalo is the best team. Uh, you say it's very easily over the Chargers is my surprise. Not, And I don't disagree with you on the Chiefs either. I wouldn't you know rule what? out it. I, I got to be honest about the Chargers. I think they're getting a little bit too much shine. It, look, Herbert's been awesome. He deserves all the credit. Right? I'm not taking anything out of, away from him. They just gave up 42 to Cleveland. And got bailed out on some horrific pass interference calls. Like, the, I don't even think a Chargers fan would argue they would have lost that game if they don't get those. The Chiefs game, they're my, they're, excuse me, they're plus four in turnover differential and barely win the game on a, on also some very questionable calls at the end of that game. I think they're good. 
I don't think they're as good as Buffalo. And quite honestly, if the Chiefs are right, I do not think they're as good as Kansas. Fair enough. All right, let's talk about John Gruden. Yeah, we got it. So what's most fascinating to me is apparently his misogynistic and homophobic language uh, was going on over several years. Yeah. Going at the commissioner, going at Damaris Smith, uh, who else, who knows who else uh, Gruden was saying. And just, you know, pretty uh, for the misogynistic homophobic types, I'd almost say that his stuff is pretty over the top. Yeah. You know, so um, as uncomfortable as that statement is, but so, what what's your understanding here? I and mean, are you believing that it came to light the way it did? I think John Gruden's done in the NFL. And I'll just give one report that uh, I have on Gruden, Vernon Ram, that um, was kind of surprising to me, but yet falls in line with what's happening right now. My understanding is that dude is one of the worst people to work with. And uh, he can actually just make your life miserable, even if you have a great job. So that was an interesting little nugget that I picked up on my Gruden research uh, the last, whatever, called 12, 24, 12 hours. So um, I, I guess good job resigning because you don't belong to the position with, with this coming out. I don't, know, I don't know how he could have possibly moved forward. And I, quite frankly, I, I'm just – maybe I should not be surprised by these things, but I, I, I really was with him. Like I did not see that coming at all, and there it was. Well – Look, I, I don't know. I don't know John Gruden personally, and I'm I'm not going to pretend to have any kind of like relationship with him. I, I don't. I I've been in the same room as Gruden a bunch of times, but that's about as far as I go. I think I've asked him a couple of questions in a presser. I think I'm not even 100 percent sure. Um, look, when the first email came out with the derogatory terms and, and, and connotations about DeMora Smith, the NFL PA's executive director. I thought at that point he needed to at minimum be fined and suspended. I know you get these people who say, well, the email was 10 years ago. And you know what? I'm going to be really honest. If John Gruden was a 20 year old kid, 10 years ago, I'd have a different opinion. All right. He wasn't a 20 year old kid. He was a full fledged, fully formed adult at that point. So you're responsible for your actions at all times in your life, but certainly when you're of that age. You know, I, I, you have to be responsible in what you say. And I don't care if the emails are private. I don't care. You are who you are. And Gruden deserves to be held accountable for all this stuff. Now, I did not think he'd get fired, even though I thought he could have been fired with cause for that email, the initial email. Once the rest of this stuff came out in the New York Times last night on Monday night, there was no question he was going to be relieved of his duties. It was a matter of when. Would it have been this morning? Would it have been last night? Well, it turned, of course, turns out it was last night. And he resigns, which I think is interesting because if, if there was any chance in hell he could have recouped his money, he would not have resigned. He resigned because he knew that if they had to go to court to fight over the 65-plus million remaining on his contract, all those emails would have been brought to light again, and he would not have been getting a dime of that money. So in this case, it costs at least $65 million to be a racist and to be homophobic. And I'm guessing it costs even more than that, because had he have just quit and resigned and done something else for no reason other than the fact the Raiders weren't good or he didn't want to be there anymore, he could have gotten another TV job for sure. So it cost him a whole lot of money, uh, and good, it should. In the end, you know, from... From an NFL standpoint, I think it was cowardly by the league to not step in and do something itself. They could have done something. They could have put pressure. Instead, they just leaked out these emails, which, I mean, look, it ends up getting the job done, right? He's gone. But the NFL could have just stepped in and said, hey, look, we're, we're placing him on administrative leave, and he's not going to be coming back for a long, long time. And at that point, the Raiders have to move on. They d- instead make Mark Davis do it. Now, Davis – was gutless throughout the weekend and puts out the statement of, oh, you know, we're going to look into it, which of course is just code for basically we're going to hope it goes away. And it doesn't go away. It gets worse. And then the Raiders have no choice. Um, For the Raiders, look, it's probably going to tank their season. Um, But I think their season was going to tank anyway. So if you want to just look at this quickly from a strictly football standpoint, that probably torpedoes them. And 
Um, I, I think that it's probably for the team, for the organization, it probably is a lifeline for them because now they don't have to pay him $65 million over the next six and a half years. So I don't know that the Raiders are all that broken up about it, but the whole thing is ugly and it's unseemly. And Gruden, whether these emails were written yesterday or 10 years ago, deserves what he got. Let me just read one paragraph from the Times piece, the, uh, the yeah. most, most recent one. In numerous emails during a seven-year period, so it just wasn't you know 10 years ago, ending in early 2018, Gruden criticized Goodell and the league for trying to reduce concussions, said that Eric Reed, a player who had demonstrated during the playing of the national anthem, should be fired. In several instances, Gruden used a homophobic slur to refer to Goodell and offensive language to describe some NFL owners, coaches, and journalists who cover the league. I mean, he didn't, he didn't spare anyone. They all, they all got his, got his uh, John Gruden fire. That, I don't think you're seeing him pop up on ESPN or anywhere else. No. I know he ain't working for Minute Media. I'll tell you that much. That, it's not, that's, this is, uh, you know, and, and sometimes in life I'm like, you, you know, that's sweet, 10 million, 10 million. So he, 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 this dude doesn't need the money. He shouldn't. He's, getting, he's got more money than 99.9999%. So anybody who's, you know, he, he, I mean, if people are feeling sorry for him, uh, this dude should be able to sail off into sunset, but his name, he just ruined his name, straight ruined it. Yeah. No, I, I don't think he's, he's a guy you can put on TV at this point. How, how can you? I mean, you know, look, time, time heals things. I mean, maybe five years from now, I, but even then, like if you're, if you're one of these, and by the way, and I'm not, I'm not accusing them of anything genuinely. I'm not, I mean, I, I don't know this. So I'm just kind of, I'm just asking the question. He worked at ESPN for a long time as a, as a Monday night football analyst. These emails, a lot of them written while he was there. Like if you're, if you're writing emails like that, you're probably talking like that to some extent in person, right? Like maybe not in the office, but just like in general, like never, this never came up. Like, I mean, I just look, maybe, maybe it didn't, maybe, maybe Gruden just had a, a couple of, you know, the good old boys network. I mean, apparently the Hooters CEO was in on these emails, which is just the most predictable thing of all time. Um, but it seems odd to me, like your ESPN you're all about suspending people for their conduct and, and, and being, you know, whether it was Jamel Hill for her comments in the political arena years ago, or obviously recent comments with Rachel Nichols that came to light, like nothing, like you never, nobody ever heard John Gruden talk like this. I, that would surprise me. I know my friend and our former colleague, Jason Cole tweeted out right after this happened. If you know, John Gruden, this doesn't surprise you. Right. Which is basically, like, it, which is basically what, what I was told last night that uh, not a good person in, in any way, shape or form. And, you know, you bring up ESPN. Listen, if, if you listen to Jamel Hill on any, any number of podcasts where, uh, you know, she gets brought in on, on topics of race and uh, Jamel does a great job. Um, at least in my opinion, she, um, you know, she says the, the ESPN for all their frontward stuff, it's a very conservative place. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not saying he felt empowered. I have no idea, but I mean, that's, you know, from somebody who worked there and, 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 you know, you say, well, she's biased. I, I don't, I don't, I don't and, get and that feeling. I really I'll, don't. I'll, I'll leave my thoughts on this, by the way. And, and, you know, being, by the way, like, I know sometimes people, especially come after me, about oh, you, you know, your politics, which I think people misconstrue my politics. I'm pretty down the middle, but regardless, you know, being conservative, that's fine. Like, that doesn't mean, like, nobody's saying that being conservative yeah, means Maybe that that's you're, the wrong word. Yeah, like, I mean, nobody, nobody's saying that being conservative means that you're, you're you're writing emails like that, right? Like, I have plenty of friends who are conservative in my life. Some of my best friends are really conservative. Some, in fact, a lot of my family is. And I, I know that none of them share those opinions and, and believe that, you know, in the case like this, Gruden absolutely deserved what he got. But I do think, I think the, the better way to frame, in my opinion, is companies that are that large, typically, not just ESPN, but in any sphere in the world, a lot of times are run by older people, by people who maybe are out of touch with the way that the world has changed. And you do look at somebody like Gruden. And again, I don't know if he ever said anything like that at ESPN in public or you know, out in front of it, but you do have to think. Like you spend that much time with somebody, you're out on the road with somebody, 
I mean, that never came up. Never. Like, that's a pretty, I mean, look, I'm not going to get into it, but that's a pretty strong thing about what he said about Michael Sam. Yeah. That's a pretty, I mean, it's a pretty strong word to Demora Smith and Goodell. That never, like, you're telling me that was just in an email. That never came out of his mouth. And then you got people, like, like I said, not, not trying to put him on the spot, but Jason Cole, who's a really good friend of mine, who I worked with, who I have the utmost respect for. I mean, he's putting it out there that, hey, if you know Gruden, that's not very, very surprising. I mean, it just makes you wonder sometimes, like, how long do guys get away with this stuff until it just absolutely has to be forced to the light? And unfortunately, I, I don't think I wonder that very often. I, I just know it, it takes a lot. And why was it forced in the light? And let me, I'll give one thing. And we'll get back to football here. When he said, I don't have a racist bone in my body before all this stuff had come out. I'm like, dude, that shows beyond any reasonable amount of doubt that you don't get how this works. We all have our biases. Part of being a good person is to actually be able to see your biases and then realize, well, that's not right. I really don't know that person. So I shouldn't have that judgment on the color of their skin, on their weight, on whatever by whatever it is, tall, short, a zillion things that people have been conditioned to. Being an adult actually means that you see yourself in it. And and then you realize that that's a ridiculous stuff. I don't have it in my, yeah, you do, dude. And, and so does and so does everyone else. And, and those of us who have grown up, you know, and I'm not trying to take the high ground here, even though it probably, probably sounds like I am, but. Like that comments, like it's like the same thing to me. Like I don't see color, really. You don't see, like of of course you see color. Every uh, that's it's it's this it. it Everyone in the world does. It doesn't. It doesn't mean you're a seething racist if you see color. It means you're a human being. Right. So when you try to defend your when you try to defend yourself like that, it's like oh dude, you are you are you are gone. Well, it's it's the same. And you're right. We'll move on to football. But I think everyone can identify with this, no matter where you fall on things. Like it's like when people say stuff like. Well, you know, I, I have friends of a different race or a different gender. And it's like, well, yeah, I, I'd hope so. You know, like, like that's, if that's your immediate defense, it's usually not a good thing. Right, right. All right, back to the field, Verderam. And, back and to the field. Ben Heisler coming up with Place Your Bets from BetSided. And, of course, go to WinBet for all your gambling needs. But uh, into the future we go. And let's give some love to the Dallas Cowboys who continue just to roll along here. Uh, you're asking the question, will the, finally, will the Cowboys finally get back to the NFC championship game? That's right, buddy. I had all the way. Let's, let's go, let's go big on Dallas, who I believe if we went back in time, a uh, Carm did pick the Cowboys to win that NFC East. Good job. Me. <laughs> Good job by you. Thank, um, you. thank you. All right. So the reason I put the NFC championship game, they have not gone there since they won their last Super Bowl, 1995. Okay, they have not been back to the NFC title game, which is shocking. 20, 25 years it's been, quarter of a century. It's not, it, it feels longer and shorter than that at the same time, depending on how you look at it. But I put it in there because when you look at the NFC, what do you have? Okay, we're starting to see a little bit of separation here. That division's awful. Dallas is going to win that division unless they have catastrophic injury issues. Green Bay, I, I believe, and we'll get to this in a little bit, is the only good team in the NFC North. Um, the NFC South, I think the Bucks are it, right? I, I mean, Carolina, Darnold's thrown five picks his last two games. He's come crashing back to earth. The Saints have Winston throwing for about 100 yards a game, and the Falcons stink. The NFC West, I don't know that the Niners are good. They've got injuries. Trey Lance didn't look good. Now he's hurt, okay? But Garoppolo might be able to come back. They, they get a very well-timed bye week here before they go play Indy, who stinks. Um, the Rams and Cardinals are really good. Seattle's without Russell Wilson. That seems like a problem. So if you're doing the math, I just rolled off five teams that I think are good. Like everybody else in that conference stinks or is hurt. So can Dallas get to the, to the promised land here, or at least to the NFC championship game? I mean, the, the smart money's probably got to say they've got a good shot, but I will say no, because I, I don't believe they're better than Tampa. I don't believe they're better than either of the NFC West teams. I think they're basically as good as Green Bay. Yeah, I don't know if I'd put them above literally any team in the NFC West, even with the Niners' uh, injury issues and quarterback issues. I mean, maybe that's unfair, but um, line them up in a playoff game, eh, I'm not, I don't think I'm picking Dallas. Uh, but listen, they're, they're, they definitely are going to – 
win the East and they're going to have a shot at it in the playoffs. And Dak looks great and they're using Zeke well. Um, you know, their defense underrated or certainly playing better than, than, uh, than everyone expected. Um, and, you know, when you, when you look at their schedule, uh, they, they should have, could have beaten Tampa. They beat the Chargers. They kicked the crap out of the Eagles. Um, and they kicked the crap out of the Giants. Now, of course, they lost Saquon and, uh, and Daniel Jones. But they're, it ain't like they're sneaking by here. I mean, they're, you know, big time wins. Oh, they're killing. Yeah. So, I, I, it's, you know, hey, congratulations to Big D. You are definitely back in the mix as a legitimate uh, playoff contender slash uh, could go deep. Will the Chargers win the AFC West, Verderami? If I had to bet money on them right now, yes. I think they will. Um I do not think if the, if the Chiefs figure out their issues, and I'm not saying like fix everything, but they just get marginally better defensively, stop turning the ball, then I think it becomes very interesting. Then I think the Chiefs are the better team. They do play them again week 15 on a Thursday night game, actually, in L.A., which will probably have about 70% Chief fans at the game. But right now, I've got to say the Chargers, yeah. I mean, they, look, they've played a fairly tough schedule themselves. They, they beat Kansas City at Arrowhead. They, they played Dallas and lost. They played the Browns. They probably should have lost, but they did win the game. They scored 47 points. Um, I love Brandon Staley. He's done a great job. Herbert's playing like an MVP candidate. Mike Williams, who's getting paid this offseason, has been unbelievable. As the late, great Therese Paler used to say, the contract year is undefeated, and it certainly is in the case of Mike Williams. So – Look, I, I think they will win the division. Now, I, I with the caveat of, I do not think this thing's over. They are not going to lose out to Denver or the Raiders. I feel very confident in that. I also think the Chiefs will finish well above both those teams at the end of all this. Um, but they're two up, and they've beaten the Chiefs in Kansas City. So I have to say that right now they are my favorite to win the division, but I don't think the Chiefs are, are going to just go away quietly. I think they will be heard from. I do not think this is just some some – Fate to complete. I think they, the Chiefs will be in the mix. They got a really interesting game this week at Baltimore. And yes. I thought the line is very interesting on it, too. People love the Ravens. Baltimore's a five-point favorite. We'll get to that coming up with Ben. Uh, but you look at their schedule. New England, win. At Philly, should be a win. Home with Minnesota. Home with Pittsburgh. At Denver. At Cincy. Home with the Giants. Home with KC. At Houston. Denver at home. At the Raiders. That's a lot of wins on there, man. That is a lot of W's. It is. I mean, I think that, that, look, it should be the path for that to become an interesting division is Kansas City's schedule is pretty similar to what you just reeled off. The difference being the Chiefs have to play the Packers. They still have to play the Cowboys. Now the Chargers, as you mentioned, have to play the Ravens, who the Chiefs already played. And they do play each other again. The one I will give you one thing that I do think is worth monitoring with the Chargers. They've not been good defensively. They were great against the Raiders, which everybody saw Monday Night Football. They've not been very good defensively. They gave a million yards to the Cowboys, to the Chiefs, to the Browns. And that defense is held together by Bosa and Derwin James, both of whom have had major injury issues in the past. If either one of those guys has an injury, the wheels are coming off that thing like nobody's business on defense. Now, they've got an offense that can score a lot of points. That would be the one thing if I'm a Chargers fan I worry about. If either one of those guys misses significant time, all of a sudden they become a lot more vulnerable. But for now, yes, I think they are the best team in the AFC West. They're the most complete until Kansas City proves it can do anything otherwise. All right, let's look at the Ravens, and specifically let's look at Lamar, who was just spectacular bringing the Ravens back on Monday Night Tremendous. Football. Just, and, I mean, this is a crazy question that you're throwing out here. Uh, but he is on pace to do it. Will Lamar Jackson throw for 5,000 yards? I would have had him. Uh, I, I don't know what the over-under at the start of the season was for Lamar, but I would guess it was somewhere in the threes. Yep. Uh, you, you know, so at any rate, uh, we're, we're, we're raising the bar here. And, you know, just, just for the record, last night against the Colts, down a million, coming back to win an OT, 31-25. He was 37 for 43. 37 for 43 for 442 yards, four touchdowns. That was a performance that no one thought he was capable of. Quarterback no. rating, by the way, of 140. He's, he's been phenomenal. 
And I will raise my hand and say, look, I've always liked him as a player, but I've always also said he's been limited throwing the ball out of the pocket, which has been true his whole career. It has not been true this year. He's been much better. And I do wonder how much of that is because they've lost Gus Edwards. They've lost J.K. Dobbins, and they've had to just throw the football. Well, it's it panned out okay. He has thrown for more yards this year than Patrick Mahomes. We're five weeks into the year. Now, I, now, if you said to me, do I think Mahomes will end up with more passing yards? Yeah, I do. But it's been a different deal. Now, also, part of it has been Baltimore's defense has not been very good, and Jackson's got to throw the ball a lot more, which I don't think's hurting him. I actually think it's helping him. Um, I do not think he'll get the 5,000 yards, just because that's such a high number. But he's on pace for it right now, which is why it was put on the outline here. Um, he has played at an MVP level, though. In fact, through five weeks... And I hate these conversations. I hate them. I think he would be my pick as MVP of the league right now. Uh, he's been he's been awesome. So all the kudos in the world to him. Um, but no, I do not think he'll end up with five thousand. No, I think he'll tail off somewhat just just because that's such a hard pace to keep up. It's a uh, I, I I just find it to be very interesting. Like if he's gotten this much better how much where, where, what like how high is up for this dude right i mean he's uh right now he's fifth in the league in, in passing yards right fifth in the league uh and he's averaging by the way 9.1 yards a throw which hold on a second that is 9.1 is us is fourth behind wilson at 9.6 tyrod taylor doesn't count but he's in there at nine and a half. Stafford's nine three. Murray's nine two, and Jackson's nine one. Four oh eight eight. Yeah, da, 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 da. you don't need to read me the stats, but it's just, it, it's uh, he's going down the field, all of it. It's pretty, and and throwing the fact what he does running the football, unbelievable, Tr- truly unbelievable. I don't think we'll get to five thousand either, but just his props to Lamar. Uh, the last one. Thank you for putting this on there. Are the Bears a playoff contender? Contender, you're saying, uh, with Justin Fields. I'll just say this right around. I'll let you take this. I, I, yeah, I know you're, you're giving me room here. Uh, contender is, 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 a, is a yes, mainly because of their defense. Somehow, someway, uh, the Bears defense has found their footing. Sean Desai, the Bears offensive coordinator, deserves a ton of credit. They've pretty much gotten better every single week. Ben Heiser was going to join us in a second here. So that's been, you know, if, if Fields can get gradually better, which you would imagine he would, along with this defense, which in the past, it's like, well, if Akeem Hicks is hurt, then they're screwed. They're not screwed right now. They've got a ton of guys making plays up front. Eddie Goldman's coming back. Uh, Gibson, up front, like Ryan Pace's late round draft picks continue to come through. Uh, Hicks has got a groin injury, which I'm sure will bother him for the rest of the season. And Khalil Mack is hurt every single week, never practices, but then shows up on game day and plays lights out, especially against his old team like he did last week. So that defense is still there. Secondary is a little bit wobbly, but 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 hanging in there. They had an amazing pick this week from DeAndre Houston Carson. So I would say the Bears actually are a contender. I wouldn't bet on them making the playoffs, but I do think they're going to hang around here because I think Fields is going to get better, and he's got weapons around him. Last week, they don't, they don't have David Montgomery and probably not for a month, but Khalil Herbert, sixth-round pick out of Virginia Tech, he ran phenomenal. Uh, and Damian Williams is a nice piece. You remember him from the Super Bowl, Vernon Ram. So I, I, do. Think the, I do think the Bears are, quote-unquote, a contender, but the schedule is very, 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 very hard. I just don't see them make the playoffs with this offense. I, I mean, I know it's like every, nobody ever wants to say a bad thing ever about these rookie quarterbacks. And, oh, my God, they're all amazing. Has anyone watched – their offensive fields, I feel like they're not very good. I mean, they put they don't allow him to make a play, so it's not necessarily all on him. But like I watched that entire game against the Raiders, I, I Justin okay. Fields didn't do anything in that game. It was ugly. It was ugly. But you like, know, but did- people love to act like like it's some like mortal sin to say they wasn't good. Well, guess what? I those people are going to clutch a lot of pearls during this whole segment because. Every single one of these rookie quarterbacks has either been incredibly average, Mac Jones, has downright stunk, Zach Wilson, or been somewhere in between the other three. Trey Lance wasn't good as a starter on Sunday in Arizona. He stunk. Now, that doesn't, by the way, that doesn't mean he's going to stink. It means he stunk in that game. 
He was not good. He threw a brutal pick. The Niners scored seven points. He was not good. Justin Fields may turn out to be a great player. Through three weeks, he has not been good. Like, that's just reality. Now, there are, there are times you watch him and you say, wow, there's a lot of talent there. Same thing with Trey Lance, by the way. And certainly same thing with Trevor Lawrence. But you watch them and you're like, yeah, that offense is going to have a tough time beating anybody who can play. Like, they're just not good offensively. Right. I doubt you spent a lot of time watching Bears-Lions, you and the rest of the world, the national football world. He played well in the Lions game. That was against the Lions. But and, and they that was against the Lions. Yeah. I mean, he was 11 for 18. They didn't exactly uh, unleash the offense, but he was good in that game. And the, he had one throw on a double move to Darnell Mooney, which was like, oh, my God, the Bears have a legitimate quarterback for the first time in forever. Uh, at least a young one who's got massive upside. So um, but you're right. Overall, I mean, he threw for one yard against the Cleveland Browns. No, he was also sacked nine times in the Bears. Uh, had to fire or met had to fire himself and readjust the locker room, if you will. And he did a good job. Way to go, Matt Nagy. Uh, get out of the way. Tremendous. Bears, playoff contender. You probably know Progressive Insurance for insuring your home and auto. You may know Flo and Dr. Rick. But what you may not know is that Progressive helps employees support over 3,800 charitable organizations annually because we're committed to helping our employees, and our employees are committed to helping others. Anyway, we just wanted to share. We were a little too proud of it to keep it to ourselves. And if you already knew all of this about us, you've either heard this radio spot before or just randomly know a lot about Progressive. Find out more about how we're dedicated to our customers and communities at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates based on data from May 2020 through April 2021. Let's bring in our guy, Ben Heisler, the managing editor. Bet sided. Go to WinBet for all your betting needs. We've got our, so we got six games for you this week. Ben last week was three and three. Verram, you were three and three. Is that uh, con- congratulations again on being five hundred players in the game? Incredibly world. average. Yes. Yeah. Well, but hey, it's it's. Uh, I'll take it. Passable, passable. It's a weird uh, week too, guys. Let, let, let's not forget that. Uh, I think after the first couple of weeks and watching all these underdogs go nuts, you sort of had a lot of teams kind of flip on its head a little bit. But th- this is another weird week. I think you and I, Verram, are going to have some fun with this slate. Yeah. And just for last week, I would have had a phenomenal week if the Cincinnati Bengals could have made a kick uh, or if the New York Giants didn't lose their whole damn team, which was a huge blow. And and then I got the Bills and Chiefs wrong. That was uh, – I have no excuse, and I blame Verderam as I did at the top of the show for not telling us that actually Kansas City stinks. Uh, but he has been unwilling to do that and is still holding out hope, Ben, that they'll win the division, which maybe you think the same thing. And we'll get to the Chiefs in a second. But let's start with the Bucks. They're a seven-point favorite on the road at Philly. The number is 51 and a half. You ride in Tampa on the road? I have to figure out before I do because odds makers are just clearly trying to get anybody to, to jump on Tampa Bay at that number. So initially, it feels a bit weird that they're only a touchdown favorite given what we've seen from Tampa Bay really throughout the course of the season, maybe not covering against the Patriots on Sunday night may have shifted people a little bit, but but certainly not for me. I I just need to know whether or not it's going to be the Eagles defense that gave up six points to Atlanta, 17 of the 49ers, and then 18 against a much improved Panther squad, or is it the same defense that gave up back-to-back 40-point performances against the Cowboys and then against the Chiefs the following week? I feel like this line is going to sit around seven, maybe hover up to seven and a half. And if it does, then I would feel better about the Eagles. But I, I just feels like a bit of a trap to me. Instead, I will lean on the under. I think we see a better performance from both sides of the defense. I think on a short turnaround Thursday night, I don't know if both quarterbacks will be as sharp as I would expect them to be. So give me the under on 51 and a half for this one. For the, just for the record, 81% of the money is on Tampa, which makes me love Philadelphia in this game. Go ahead, Verderam. So I, if I were betting this, I would just throw this into a teaser, tease Tampa down to one, and basically just make it a money line bet because I think they'll win the game. But I'll take Philly to cover. I, Tampa Bay's defense has quietly been terrible. Like they're 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 not good. So you know, here's the interesting thing, right? Philadelphia does not run the football. Sirianni just will not run the football at all, unless it hurts on a, on a, on a scramble. Well, Tampa's great stopping the run, but they suck stopping the pass. Well, Philly's going to throw the ball 50 times because they're probably going to be trailing. But I think Hurts can do it. I'll go, we'll go watch the Chiefs game. 
Now, granted, the Chiefs basically held everybody's hand and just ran them into the end zone and made sure Philly got in there. But I, I think Hurts is going to throw for 300 yards. They're going to put up points. I think Philly, even if it's a backdoor cover, I think they cover. I don't think they win, but I, I do think they cover the spread. Let's move on to those 5-0 and oh, big-time Arizona Cardinals playing at Cleveland. The Browns showing that they don't completely trust Baker Mayfield last week. Uh, once again, two-and-a-half-point favorite, though, at home for the Brownies. 51, Ben. Weird game. Weird game coming up because you have Arizona as the lone undefeated team left in the season. Uh, they were the number one liability last week over at WinBet Sportsbook to cover the five and a half against the 49ers. Kept it interesting, but eventually came through uh, for the public. Public really had a really good week last week for both college football and NFL with Arizona leading the way. Um, but again, I, I think it's sort of indicative that you have Arizona as this undefeated team. You just saw the Browns give up 47 points to the Chargers last week on the road. And now I think you've already seen this line move from two and a half to three in favor of Cleveland. So I think that's an indicative measure that sharp money is coming in on Cleveland to move it up to that number. And I like the Browns to bounce back. I know Baker's been all over the place and we still haven't seen much from Odell Beckham Jr. He's running a ton of routes. He's gotten himself open, uh, but they just haven't connected. I, I think this is the week we finally start to see more of that connection come through. The Browns are going to run at will with Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I, I think this is an opportunity, especially if I can get the Browns back to that minus two and a half number. I really like them, and I like them at three as well. I'll go the other way. I think the Cardinals are going to outright win the game. I, I do, and not even because they're undefeated. Like That can be a trap sometimes, but the Cardinals, they're laying it on people offensively. Now, they didn't against the Niners. They kind of had a slog in that game. They, they killed the Rams. And I look at Cleveland. Is Cleveland's defense good? Like everybody goes crazy because they, they held the Bears to like eight yards, right? But it's the Bears. The Chiefs did everything they wanted to against them the entire game. The Chargers scored 47 points. I, I don't know that the Browns can stop anyone who's any good. And I think Murray's going to throw for a ton of yards in this game. So I like him to just win the game. I Cleveland, the, the problem I have with Cleveland, and I don't know that that defense is that good because this year, here's who they've beaten. They beat Chicago, I already mentioned. They beat Houston, who stinks. And by the way, they were in a dogfight for their lives in that game until Tyrod Taylor got hurt. So that was a game where they were giving up points and yards like crazy. And then I cannot remember the life of me, the third game they won, but I also remember that it was against a team that was not good. Um, and so I I look at them, and I, I just – I don't know. Like, can Baker – if this becomes a shootout, can Baker win this game? Because every time they ask him to win a game, he can't do – oh, they beat Minnesota, who's hideous. 14-7. So, yeah, I, I, I will take Murray because I just think they're going to they're gonna get into a shootout. So if you want to take the over, go there too. But I'll take the Cardinals plus two and a half, plus three. I think they win. Great matchup in the AFC. Let's go 4-1, four 4-1. One, four and one. The Chargers going east to play the Ravens. Baltimore, I, I was a little surprised by this number, Ben. Five points. So people – Three loving... a win bet, you, you just clown. Yeah, I, 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 it just seems very odd. Uh, but, you know, WinBet did not consult at the Karma on this one. Follow me on Twitter. 51's the number, same as the Cardinals and the Browns. What do you think, Ben? Are, are people a little too high on the Ravens right now after the amazing Monday night performance? Yeah, to Verderam's point, this line right now is at minus three at WinBet. So I don't know whether or not that number has come all the way down from five to three. Uh, but at least that's where they've opened it. And as far as I'm concerned, and I wrote about this earlier today over at BetSided, Ravens might be the, the luckiest team in the NFL, or they might just be the most resilient team. Right. Because think about what they've done this year, right? Lose the game in overtime week one against the Las Vegas Raiders. And then week two, they get the Clyde Edwards-Alaire fumble in their own territory, come back and end up holding on to the victory. Then Justin Tucker against the Lions hits a 66-yard field goal, doink off the crossbar and in, they end up getting a win in that game. Week four against Denver, Teddy Bridgewater goes down. The Broncos are 3-0 to that point. They end up winning and covering in that game as well. And then last week, down 25-9, to down 22-3. to The win probability for the Colts in that game with three minutes left in the, fourth, in the third quarter was 99%. So what we're seeing from Baltimore right now, I, I'm just not sure is sustainable. When if you're looking at, at their record, they're 4-1. But maybe there's a possible argument that they could be one and four on the season. It's pretty insane. As for this line, the Chargers are winning games in, in, in fashions that I haven't seen from them before. But I do know this. 
The Ravens are the number one running team in the NFL, and the Chargers throughout most of the season have not been able to stop the run. It was also my logic for the Browns last week. It didn't happen, but I expect this to be the better case for Baltimore to run the ball at will against the Chargers, who haven't been able to stop the run. So I'll take Baltimore minus three at home. You know, I don't know which way to go on this because I agree with everything you said. Everything. And it is funny. Baltimore could unbelievably easily be one and four. And like almost maybe should be one and four, but somehow you're like, like if this was any other team, if this was Tennessee, I think we'd all be like, yeah, they're a, they're a fluke, right? But it's Baltimore, and you're used to them winning. And Jackson's been incredible, so I think that kind of makes you go, well. I could also make an argument that the Chargers have been really lucky to this point in the year, like plus four in the turnover against Casey. Like I said earlier, that's a game that if the Chiefs don't just beat themselves, they win the game. Okay, then you look at another game where you say, well, you know, Cleveland. I mean. Two pass interference calls in that game that were were blatantly bad. The, the Chargers end up winning the game. So I don't know where to go on this. The Chargers have to go all the way across the country, but Baltimore's on a short week. I will take the Chargers to cover the points. I don't know who's going to win. I, I'll just take the points. If I had to bet a money line, I think I'll take Baltimore in a game where like Tucker wins it. But it's an interesting game. Whoever wins is five and one, and I'm not like overly convinced is a Super Bowl contending team. Like I, I know everybody's going nuts about the Chargers, and I get it. Staley's a really good young head coach, and he's got all these analytics, and Herbert's great. Their defense quietly stinks. Like I don't know, like what happens when if that offense has a couple of bad weeks? Then what? You know. So I'll take the Chargers to cover, but I'm I'm not. This is the biggest toss of the week for me. Can we flex that game? Get Seattle and Pittsburgh off please. Sunday night. Oh, for the love of God, please. I mean, geez, Louise. Come G- on. Geno Smith's the best quarterback in that game. Yeah, well, and people would love to watch a little Lamar to Herbert on a Sunday night. Yeah. NFL, you're killing us. Uh, all right, Green Bay and Chicago, another noon kick. And uh, the Bears are a five-point underdog at home. 45 points the total. So, uh, yeah, not expecting a shootout here with uh, Aaron Rodgers and Justin Fields quite yet. But uh, don't sleep on Justin Fields, damn it. By the end of the year, shootouts are coming uh, for the Bears because Fields is going to be putting up numbers, Ben Heisler. Packers did everything they could last week to try and lose that game and still found a way to not only win, but push the game, cover the three points by the end of it. And in Cincinnati, Um, certainly on the offensive side of the ball, I I think are much more complete than that of Chicago. Defense, Chicago has the edge, but it's also a defense that Aaron Rodgers has seen for years, whether it be from Vic Fangio to Chuck Pagano and now to Sean Desai last year, there's still a lot of the same guys that are a part of that defense. But Green Bay and and Aaron Rodgers just own Matt Nagy's soul. In fact, they they own pretty much every Chicago head coach's soul since Rodgers has taken over. You know, he's, they've gone 19-3 and three over their last 22 games against Chicago. They've won the last four. They've won nine of the last ten. Uh, and I kind of feel like Rodgers and the Packers kind of got everything that was supposed to go wrong for them and still overcame it. Uh, playing in Soldier Field is not much of a home field advantage for Chicago. And even with Justin Fields and even with Bill Lazor calling plays uh, and having more of an identity with the run game with Khalil Herbert and Damian Williams, they... I know that it sets up well for Chicago to potentially hang around because of that run game. And it's an area that the Packers have struggled with this year, but Aaron Rodgers thrives in these games against Chicago. And I know it's going to be a very heavy public play. I just can't trust the bears to be able to cover that number, even at home against green Bay. I'll take green Bay minus five. Yeah. I, you couldn't pay me to take the, to take the bears, by the way, in some books, although of course you win bet. It's even lower than that. It's, it's four and a half. I mean, I, I'm sorry. Justin Fields, the way he's played through three weeks, it's fine. He's a rookie. They're not beating the Packers playing like that. There, there's no way. I mean, that if the Bears could get some explosiveness in the offense and get the 24 points, maybe. Maybe I'd take a 28-24 type game somewhere there. But I – and the Packers win this game. And I think the Packers also are going to be motivated by the fact they win this game. This division's basically over. I mean, as long as they're healthy, the division's toast. They're not getting caught. Uh, they've won four in a row. They should have beat Cincinnati a lot easier than they did. They kept they kept making mistakes, and of course, Crosby one of the worst kicking games I've ever seen. But I I think the pack the Packers win by you know ten or so. I I don't think this is a a huge bar for them to clear. For those of us who are walking around with a ton of gray hair, I felt very bad for Mason Crosby and uh, just 
We saw a whole lot of it as he was shaking his head on, on Sunday. And honestly, my favorite moment of last week was Evan McPherson, the Bengals kicker, jumping up and down thinking he had won the game <laughs> when and I still like there wasn't enough conversation. Like he might have had it. Like, no, it, I hit the flag. Yeah, but it came over and then down. I don't know. No, nah, I hit the flag. It McPherson, was, it was, it was I, wide I, by a, a foot. Uh, I that was a that was an absolute killer. Uh just for the record. The, and to Ben's point, by the way, 79% of the money is, is uh, right now is on green Bay. Uh, so he's uh, it's, it is a very much Packer public betting belief against the bears, which is why I will take Chicago. Damn it. Let's go bears. Uh, shock the world, meet the challenge as Ed Obradovich would say, all right, your chiefs Verderam, are on the road at Washington still belief floating around the chiefs, a six and a half point favorite numbers, 55 and a half, which is not a surprise that uh, I think that's the biggest number this week. Ben, are the chiefs going to cover on the road? They should, uh, because even though Washington's defense played somewhat better last week, in fact, chase young looked the best that he's had all season. And that's critical for them. You're not worried about the chiefs protecting Pat Mahomes, at least not this year. That hasn't been the issue. The issue has been stopping the opposing offenses. Their defense has been atrocious, still remains one of the worst in the league. And Taylor Heineke has actually put up really nice numbers against bad defense this year. So he's he's slaying bums. And right now the Chiefs defense uh, is an absolute bum slayer type of defense. So I, I look at this game and I go directly to the total. And I like the fact that I can get it at under 56 because both these teams are going to move the football at will. I'm not concerned about Chase Young getting to Mahomes. I think it's a good opportunity for Tyreek and for Travis Kelsey to play well. Clyde Edwards-Alaire should get involved. We'll see whether or not the Chiefs end up trading for Marlon Mack for some reason. That's been don't, don't even get me started there. on that. Yeah. If they trade for and, Marlon Mack, there's going to be a federal investigation. No. If anything, I, I I get the idea of maybe like Damian Williams coming back once you know the Bears get an update on, on David Montgomery. But again, maybe a conversation for another show another day. I, I like the over here, 55 and a half. Again, probably a public play. But just Washington's defense is a shell of themselves from last year. And I don't think all of a sudden they show up this week uh, against a Kansas City team that absolutely needs to get themselves back on track on both sides of the ball. It might happen on offense. I don't see it happening anytime soon on defense. They've given no indication that it's coming. I look forward to screaming at the television for three hours and getting a headache. That, that's how this game's going to go. I would, I would pound the over. They could sit that line at 70. I would take the over. I, I think the Chiefs are going to win I think it is going to be incredibly frustrating. They will win like 37-34. It'll be an absolute crap show for 60 minutes. They'll turn it over at some point because they just can't seem to stop doing that. Uh, but I think they will win because when they, you know, the only bad team they've played this year so far is Philly. And with a second to go in the game, they were up 42 to 23. Like, I, I think they will just overwhelm Washington and bad teams are bad for a reason. Like Heineke will make a mistake in the game, whether or not it's a pick or whatever, like he'll make a bad throw on third down. They got a punt, you know, like some crap like that'll happen. Like that the chiefs will win. I'm taking Washington to cover I, the, the chiefs beating anybody at this point by more than a field goal feels like the fight of their lives. So I will, uh, I will roll with the uh, cover for Washington, the win for the chiefs. All right. Last stop is Monday night football, Buffalo on the road at Tennessee. Winbet's got the number at five. I've seen five and a half out there. Totals 54 and a half. I've also seen 54. So yeah, the bills on the road looking to stamp themselves against Tennessee. Ben, do they do it? This feels like the classic overreaction line after watching Buffalo stomp all over Kansas City in the Sunday night game. And good for them to get the extra day to be able to recover, get themselves ready for Tennessee. But uh, this feels very similar to what happened last year when the Titans just absolutely rolled over Buffalo. Like nobody expected it. Everybody thought that Buffalo was sort of becoming that class of team to contend with Kansas City. And then Tennessee just absolutely smoked them. So I look at the Titans here, despite all their issues on the defensive side of the ball, and believe me, they have plenty. And we'll see whether or not A.J. Brown and Julio Jones are able to give it a go. But uh, I think Tennessee comes out ready here. I think this is sort of that spot where public completely overreacts to what they saw last week with Buffalo. Uh, the sports books are very likely going to need Tennessee in this game. And judging by what we saw last week with the public dominating the sports books last week, 
classic public fade for me here. I like the Titans on Monday night. I'll side with the sports books here. This is my Ben Heisler favorite pick of the day so far. I love that call. Go ahead, Verram. I think Tennessee covers. I do. Um, because Buffalo has been great. Buffalo has been the best team in the AFC, in my opinion, easily. But it's hard to play as well as they did last week every week. And there is a little bit of, do they have a little bit of an emotional letdown after that? I mean, that is the big, I mean, that game, they, they can play it all they want. Ah, it's week five. That game, when you play Kansas City, let's be real. It's like a Super Bowl for a lot of these teams. I mean, it really is. How hard is it? And then, by the way, like Tennessee, when Tennessee plays Kansas City in week seven, again, the total could be 70. Just start hammering the over tonight. But I think, look, Tennessee is going to score some points in this game. And the Titans are a weird team to defend because in today's day and age, everybody just throws the ball. Well, they can pound you. I mean, they can just run and run and run and run. So I think the Bills will win the game. I think the Titans will cover it. And I wouldn't be shocked if the Titans outright won. Big Monday night game at home, whatever. But I, I think they will cover that spread. Huge money coming in on the Bills. 81% of the pick slash dough are on Buffalo. So I love a nice, good contrarian play, as I've said a thousand times. And you get the Titans at home. I love it. Ben Heisler, managing editor, bedsided, huge Michael Jordan fan. Go Wheaties. Go MJ. I cannot accept not trying. Is that the is that the K behind you? I think it is. On your left shoulder. Is, or is that arrow? Left shoulder? Yes. Yeah, it's the K. It's the K. A the K Roy- right after the, the year they won the World Series. I mean, that is just for a for a guy who grew up rooting for the Cubs who got his Cubs away book from David Kaplan there to have a picture of the K, Verderam. That is a man who has embraced his Kansas City home where he is birthed, not himself personally, that's not how that works, but has, is, a, is a dad to two kids. Congratulations, Ben. You, you have, you've embraced Prairie Village and all that is Kansas City. I, f- I feel like there's enough Cub stuff and enough Chicago stuff behind me that like you sneak in like a free giveaway of a lithograph of the K that you can sneak it in behind me. But no, no, apparently I've, I've, I've crossed the ship. I'm done. Well, it's, you know, you're, you're a Wrigley Field guy. Weren't you, you were in there with Len and JD as a youngster trying to uh, advance. And now all of a sudden you're, you're Mr. Royal. I, I got to call it out a little bit here. All Fair right, enough. Ben, we'll, we'll see you next week. Good stuff as always. See you boys. All right. Great stuff with Ben. Great stuff all around. Damn it. Appreciate y'all listening to Stag in the Box, particularly those of you who make it this far. We really, really, really love you. Verderam, they stick around because they want to know what's going on in your life. They do. They do. Or, or just a mock me either way. So I got, I got a couple things. I'll go rapid fire. So number one, uh, I am a nerd with baseball cards. As a lot of people know, I love putting together, you know, a vintage collection, right? I've been doing it for I don't know, 20 years now. I've collected cards of all things. since I was like five. Uh, I endeavored to put together the 1965 tops baseball set, 598 cards. It is a hard set. Like there's a Tony Perez rookie, Catfish Hunter rookie, Steve Carlton, Joe Morgan, right? A lot of Hall of Famers in there. I'm updating the public because I know you all care. I am four cards away. I'm four cards away from getting this thing done. So, and I will, I will have it done the next month. So, I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling excited. Tony Perez rookie actually might be in the mail as we speak. Uh, might be in my mailbox as we speak. So, looking forward to grabbing that. But let me tell you. It has not been a cheap endeavor. Um, I appreciate the support of my, my wife in this, who has looked the other way. But uh, what she doesn't know is the second I'm done putting this set together, I've enjoyed it so much, I'm going to try to put together the 57 set, Carm. And that, that is legitimately going to cost thousands of dollars. But we're going to go for it. Um, thank, thank God for employment. Are you doing this because you want to sit there and tell people, or are you doing this as an investment? No, I'm actually doing it for neither. I... I, I can honestly say I've never in my life bought anything other than stock as an investment. I just, I don't, I don't believe in your house, maybe, I guess, but I don't believe in like, like baseball cards. I do it because it's fun. I, you know me, I love the history of the game and stuff. Like I, I enjoy that part of it. I don't, I've never once bought a baseball card and thought to myself, man, this is going to make Maisie rich one day. I hope it does. I'll pass them <laughs> down to her or one of my other children. I, 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 I hope it does, but no, and, and certainly not to tell anybody. In fact, most people that know me don't even know I collect cars once they come to my house and then they see the you know, 30 binders I have. Um, I just do it because I love it. I just enjoy it. I think it's fun. I like, I'm a completionist. I like the challenge of it. So that's one thing I got going on this week. 
Uh, 65 tops. I'll let everybody know when I have the last one in tow. Um, my, my daughter, as everyone knows who listens to this, Maisie turned four at the end of September. And uh, she is very excited about the Knicks upcoming season. Not because of the Knicks themselves. Well, she will watch the Knicks with me. It's just kind of cool. She loves the Go New York, Go New York, Go song. <laughs> she forces me to play it on every commercial in between the stoppages of the game. And she dances her little heart out. It is so funny and adorable. But now she's learning, like, you try to score a basket. You try to keep the other team from scoring. And she gets, like, she's such a sweet, kind-hearted kid. She's like, well, why do they not want the other team to score? Isn't that what they want? I'm like, yeah, but you have to stop their team to win the game. And so she's starting to get it. Um, unfortunately, she's also starting to get uh, her father uh, cursing up a storm at uh, Kevin Knox when he shoots the basketball. But that's neither here nor there. A fatherhood, an interesting experiment with me. But Carm, basketball, Knicks, eight days, coming back, hosting the Celtics in the Garden, one of the, the great rivalries in the NBA. And I'll, I'll say this. I think the Celtics, I think overrated. I, I can hear that. I can hear like, that. They have two really good players in Jalen Brown and Tatum. And is anyone else on that team good? Like, Marcus Smart's fine, but is anyone else like a difference maker level good on that entire team? It'd be interesting uh, how much better Tatum is this year as that guy continues to He's raise great. the bar. He's a great player. Yeah, uh, and and I can't go over the top on one NBA game uh, right now, but I'm very happy it's coming back. I actually got to sit with Shaq last week uh, for – he's one of our regulars in the uh, interview train that we do, and uh, I got to tell you, Shaq went after Ben Simmons – in the most beautiful way <laughs> i bet he did it was so he's like he kept on saying you got your your little feelings hurt your little feelings and i don't think Shaq's saying the feelings are bad by the way but he is saying that when somebody says something honest to you and then you want to run away and go play for someone else that's not a very professional slash uh guy you want on your team way to go about business uh so, at any rate, I, I wrote that part up. He wasn't exactly very kind on Kyrie either, which is interesting that the Nets are like, until you're a full participant, you ain't playing anything, you ain't practicing, well, get on board. We don't even have to go all the way down the road, but do you, just because we're on the NBA quick, and I think people know this is kind of a bit at this point, talking to the NBA at the end of this thing. Do you, do you think he will play a game for them this season? I, I believe in the power of, of uh, rational thought. And I also believe in the power of money. So, and I'm with I, you on the ladder. I'm on the ladder. Right. Extremely. And, and, and I just want to remind people on the vaccine. Uh, listen, I, was, I would have waited in line to get it so I could get my life back. But did I want to put that thing in my body? No, I didn't. So the whole, uh, you know, I, I'd rather not. I'd rather not feel like shit. And, and I have no idea what's in it and what the repercussions will be. I hope that there's none. I believe there will be none, but I don't know. And neither does anyone else. No. So, right. so, so, the, so the whole thing is like, dude, this is what the deal is. Are you willing to punt your, your NBA season, a chance to win an NBA championship with Kevin Durant and James Harden when you're looking around the room and all these people got the vaccine and they're all walking around fine and no one's grown a third arm? I mean, dude. So I do think that Kyrie eventually will come to his senses here, but who knows? Um, and just, uh, I guess what's going on, what's going on in my life. Um, you know, I do a little stuff with Northwestern Verteram, uh, you and, um, you know, normally it's always been studio stuff, but this week, this year I've gotten to do four sideline reporting games. So next week I'm headed to the big house, baby. We're, we're going to Michigan. I'm going to be on the field and I'm going to do my best to troll all the Michigan fans, even as in a professional way, because I will be working, but uh, haven't been to the big house since 1992 and to be on the field there. That's a pretty cool thing. Right. So I'm excited about that. Let's go cats. Northwestern's not having a Beautiful. good season. In fact, they're terrible, but uh, any rate. Uh, all right. Good stuff today. Let's um, let's see if your chiefs can bounce back and, uh, I'm very interested to see what the Bears are going to do this week against the Packers. If they if they win that game, I'm going to be talking a whole lot of nonsense next week. Just seeing, just they win that game, you got every right to. Yeah, I mean, I'm not Mister Bolster on the Bears because it makes my life better. That's a that's that's a story for another time. 
A lot of times when I'm listening to Chicago sports radio, if the bears lose, people act like their lives are ruined. I'm like, yeah, let's have a little bit of perspective. You know, I, I can, I can even slightly allow like a chiefs fan to be miserable now because you expected to win a super bowl and all that joy. And now you're worried about your season, but like bears fans, them not winning a game right now should feel like absolutely nothing. Um, as I, I'll, I'll finish my thought on this and then we can wrap and go and that's fine. I, I, our, our great producer, Sean Daly, is probably begging for us to wrap up at this point. It's Michael um, Zach today. He's on his – Daly's on his honeymoon. Oh, good for him. In good Italy. For him. Thank you, Michael Zach, for tolerating Yeah, yeah Michael Zach stepping up. He also probably wants us to wrap it regardless. Um, I will say this, though, for Chiefs fans and anyone who's still listening to this, like this idea that it's like an entitlement, that they just should win 14 games every year. That's not the way it works. I mean – Think about the greatest teams you could possibly think of, right, in the NFL history. And the, the Niners in the 80s and 90s are, I, I think, even better than the Pats in a lot of ways. Like just a ridiculously dominant team and a great conference all the time. There were years the Niners didn't even make the playoffs. I mean, they, they would go – they had a stretch in eight, through 85 through 87 where they did make the playoffs each of those years. They didn't win a playoff game. They won one, right? Like – it's so hard to be as great as the Chiefs have been. And I think sometimes, look, you just have to say, hey, maybe this is just a year where things just don't shake for them. I mean, that's just – that could happen. That, and by the way, we also could be sitting here in two months from now going, geez, they've won eight in a row and nobody can beat this team. And holy crap. Like, that's also completely on the table. But if they go 10-7 and seven, and they're going to make the playoffs, like they're, they're going to get in because the AFC, who, who's going to beat them out for one of those wild card spots? But – if they go to the playoffs this year and they just don't win a playoff game, like it happens. I don't care who you are. It happens. This idea that like, Oh my God, it just, it, that means it's the end of Mahomes and how could they waste a year of his career? Like it's NFL. I mean, Brady went a decade without winning a Super Bowl. It happens. It's hard. Really, really hard. Yep. And you got one. So, Hey, hopefully there'll be a bunch more for you Chiefs fans out there. Thank you for listening. Did Verderon apologize correctly or should he have apologized when he didn't apologize? That's what I meant to say. I hope there's some comments this week and uh, we'll see you next week. You want to give the last word here, Matt? No, go ahead and comment. Say what I'm a dope about. That's fine. But just leave five stars. I don't care. Rip me all you want. <laughs> we'll see you next week. This podcast is brought to you by Fansided. Join our community of over 300 sites from sports to pop culture and everything in between. Rick Caruso's can-do record of public service. When the DWP faced financial ruin, they called Caruso. He cut billions in debt and saved ratepayers from bankruptcy. When the LAPD was reeling, Caruso reformed the department and cut crime 30%. When USC was rocked by scandal, Caruso cleaned up admissions and demanded accountability for abuse. Caruso can clean up L.A. Paid for by Rick Caruso for Mayor 2022. Additional information is available at ethics.lacity.org.